Rockerlin, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Master Daniel Piscina. Get over here to Video Game Bullshit. This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got guys. Hey, hey. I'm big into uh, no death runs, high score runs, uh, collector of all things, vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. MGC 2017 wrap-up. Alright, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, so... Midwest Gaming Classic is every year. It's in Milwaukee. Um, this year, I talked with the with the guys who coordinate it, and it was over ten thousand people there, <laughs> which is one one of the biggest conventions of the year. He said it's likely a lot more. Nice. He said him being very modest is ten thousand plus, is what he said. It was fucking packed, but it was like much better organized than the year prior. It seemed like. Everything was moving pretty well. Like it used to be bottlenecked a lot, and now it's like the way things are organized at the convention, it, it moved around. So yeah, it's in it's in Milwaukee. Um, if anybody listening to the podcast knows, I live in Maryland. So basically, for me to get out there, it's it's a somewhat of a family affair. Like we make it a little vacation. We drive out. Um, I came out actually. We left on Monday evening of um the the week before the convention to to do family stuff and hang out um the crazy thing was is i brought about i don't know six boxes of books or so and on the way we stopped in mishawaka which is where my in-laws are at and over at reaction games but he's over uh, lou and sal at uh, reaction games and basically lou was like well let me get some books. <laughs> and and I'm like, okay, so... Because, I mean, he's starting up multiple mall kiosks all around Indiana. So they're going to need some stock. So basically, he bought up half my stock before I even got to the convention. Like, that was insanity. So, so then I get out to uh, where my family is and where you're at, which is northwest Indiana... And just hanging out with family. Um, the day that we meet up, we always do like a big party night the night before where we kind of hang out and just shoot the shit, check out the Retroseum, drink a lot. Well, before I came out there, 
I uh, drank for like five hours with my old roommate from college. And so we're doing like shots and drinks and like I drank a crap ton. It was awesome times reminiscing with my buddy. So you went to St. Joe's, right? Yeah, I went to St. Joseph's College, Rensselaer. They're in the news right now. Are they closing or something? After 125 years, they're they're losing their their or giving up their accreditation and closing uh, the doors. Damn! Like, because they're like 20 million dollars in debt or something. Oh, like, brutal <laughs> craziness! And they're always asking for donations and stuff too. It's insane how they're that far in debt, but it is what it is. Yeah, man. The cool thing about that place was the whispering wall. <laughs> The whisper. <laughs> you could, one person would sit on one side of this wall, one person would sit on the other side, and it was like a, a horseshoe type deal, and you could talk to the other person all the way on the other side, and it would sound like they were right in your ear because the way the um, acoustics worked, the sound just traveled down the, the horseshoe straight into your ear. It was badass. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you would have said Moody's Light, the old oh. haunted area out in Rensselaer. This place was awesome. Mm, yeah. Yep, there's a lot of spooky legends down in those parts. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it was cool meeting up with them. Then I got out to your place and we... Basically, I don't think we gamed at all Thursday night. I don't think we played any games. I think we just drank heavily. Rum-soaked fun. Had a good old time. I think our plan was, we're like, yeah, we're going to play in Double Dragon 4 and all this stuff. Yeah, we didn't get to that. <laughs> we didn't get to any of that. Yeah, I pretty great. much figured that's what would happen, too, like... Because there's only one night. If we had two nights, we, we definitely would have. Well, plus we had two more nights of gaming at a convention to do. So we, we definitely knew that was going to happen. So When you came into my house, you're like, dude, like I can't. The light in my car won't shut off, man. Like, yeah, that was hilarious. And like, fuck, dude. Well, we got to do something about it. So that was our next mission. So we went back outside and, um, <laughs> <laughs> like... I'm sitting there like, cause you know, it was the um the mirror, the rear view mirror, the lights wouldn't go off. And when you press them, there's like two buttons, like one for the driver's side, one for the passenger side. And obviously, I pushed them in, pushed them out, alternated them. No matter what, the lights stayed on. We opened every door, the trunk, the the hood. We moved everything that might trigger a light. Um, and the light was still on, no matter what. Turned off the car, everything's off. Like I went in your house for like ten minutes. Yeah, still there. Moody's light. So, so the craziest thing, I I go and put down all the windows, which come to find out the passenger front one was wired by my father-in-law, and if you press up, it goes down, and if you press down, it goes up. And so I put down all the uh, the windows and put them all back up, and then the light went out. Yeah, father-in-law, Mr. Lenio. <laughs> Lenio's light, just like Moody's light. <laughs> Lenio's light. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious that was like really right like holy shit dude <laughs> once we f- we figured that out with the whole wiring backwards wiring system and <laughs> <laughs> system we figured it out though that's the coolest part yeah yeah for sure like we figured it all out so then my- we didn't have to jump my car when we got back from the weekend because that was the plan like we're like well it's fuck let's fuck let me just spin the car around so we can jump it when we get back from the weekend like i already was like signed off on the car like like yeah the battery's gonna be jacked up <laughs> <laughs> yeah but somehow we stumbled upon the randomness of the the mechanized madness 
had to get analytical with the car and try every single combination electrical as possible. It's like a video game, like for real. Yeah, pretty much. We're sitting there playing Pipe Dream. Uh, so then after that, yeah, we just partied it up and we woke up, had a nice breakfast. Yeah. Compliments of Judy and uh, I was uh, hungover pretty badly. It was, it was great. Rum, rum hangovers brutal. Like oh, rum soaked madness. Rum soaked hangover, man. Oh, that was bad. And and at that point, like I really like before this week. Because I had a um, margarita flight when I was out in, in Mishawaka. We went to Hacienda. And they have, instead of beer flights, they have margarita flights, which is insane. That was the first time I drank since New Year's Eve, really. Which is crazy. Because usually we drink for the cast. So I, I haven't been. I've just been, like right now I'm drinking a monster. But, <laughs> but like, craziness. So, so yeah, I drank like that night. So I got a nice hangover. And then we got to jamming, which we do every year. Every time we drive in a car together, basically, you have this USB that's full of tons of gaming soundtracks. And it's, like, classic because not only are we jamming to awesome video game music, but we're also researching for episode intros, mid, mid breaks, and outros. We're like, yep, that one's going in somewhere. This one's going in somewhere. This one sucks. This <laughs> Yeah, so there's always a reason to, like, research it and listen to it once more. Plus, we're jamming out. It's a badass stuff. Oh, yeah. We just let the soundtrack go. We are checking out all the Genesis treats. There's so much. And we wanted to do a uh, intro to Kid Chameleon, like a pro wrestling intro for our panel at Midwest Gaming Classic. So that was the plan. And we'll, we'll talk about how that plan came to fruition or not. <laughs> and that'll be on this episode. We'll we'll do that intro for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's the, you've already heard it's yeah. the song that was on this intro. But yeah, our plan was to come out during the, like the breakdown part and like bust through the curtain type thing. And it yeah. always sounds amazing in our brains. Grandiose, like <laughs> drunkiest, like <laughs> grandiose delusions. <laughs> we we definitely could pull that off though. It's yeah. It's just the fact that I I don't know what happened. Well, we'll talk about it. I know what happened. Yeah, we gotta go in order, though. Oh, we gotta go, we gotta in, order. go in order. We can't skip ahead. Skipping the sky on the Stevens. <laughs> we got to wait till the end for the climax. Wait till the climax. <laughs> so, yeah, so then we drove out. Um, awesome. I, I think the plan was to leave, you said, well before noon. I, I think we got out, we started, we didn't leave till like one, and it took two hours. Probably. That sounds about it took right. two hours, I think in the GPS I put the wrong Sheridan, <laughs> so we got to the wrong place. You're like, I hope we do, so we can listen to more music. Like, <laughs> Hell yeah, it was great, like, yes. <laughs> and we did, we got to the wrong one. <laughs> and we did. And then we took a back way, and we got to the, <laughs> got to the classic MGC world. Yep, there we are, yes. And we finally arrived. The classic, it was at the same classic place as last year. Yeah, it's always been there since I've went to MGC. There's a Toys R Us, and it was like, we parked there, and then we saw a sign that was like, don't park in Toys R Us. <laughs> the car will get towed, so we're like, fuck. So later on, we moved the car, but last year I didn't see that sign, so maybe we're lucky, maybe it wasn't the way it was, but... Yeah, no, it's... Crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't park in Toys R Us. Shit. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, you like to park off in the, the beaten path, usually. Yeah, I was like, park behind that trailer there. like <laughs> Just so you can hide your car. It's funny. Yeah, just hidden away. But yeah, so we, so we went in there, 
and basically just like didn't even really what did we do we didn't really walk around we kind of just walked in and i think we like talked with the overdrive reality guys because i was gonna have my table all weekend with the overdrive reality youtube twitch channel guys they had like a setup where they're they were going to be DJing and supposedly going to interview every single person that had a panel throughout the weekend. Like somebody's going to do a panel and then we would like interview them. And they said that I was going to do like interviews and stuff like that. So that was the plan. <laughs> so we talked with them, say, "Hey, we're here," um, and then we went and checked in. So we check in, we get room one fifty on the first floor. Which is like literally like we could have uh, we could crawl to our room if we got drunk anywhere in the convention hall. Room one fifty. Which which we dubbed the terror of room one fifty by the end of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's scary, folks. <laughs> so, 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 so yeah. <laughs> it's scary. It's scary. I'm scared. We had multiple views of terror because, <laughs> like, <laughs> so so. What was funny though is it like uh, so I left and went to go set up and I didn't see Kyle for like hours because he passed out in the room <laughs> like immediately. Oh, <laughs> Kyle was gone. Kyle's done. <laughs> Kyle's done. <laughs> Kyle's done. Yeah. So like like literally, I go and like finally um set up all this like the table. Um, walk around a little bit. I I think it was like I got everything set up, and then I found Kyle. Like I was just gonna go wake up you, wake you up, and then like you came, you were stumbling out. <laughs> <laughs> like, it worked perfectly. <laughs> yeah, we ran into each other like a bunch of times like that. It was funny. What was crazy though? Was, so we set up the table, and then we go like, hey, let's go get some go get some booze finally, and go get food. So we're going to do our beer run, the classic yes. MGC beer run. They have, like, serendipity in these awesome new Glarus beers that I can't drink anymore. But delicious beers. And so I set up the table. I didn't realize that there were a lot of people apparently waiting for me to set up my books so they could get them, like, immediately on Friday. So as soon as we left, like, the Overdrive Reality guys were like, dude, we've been, like, selling your books nonstop. Like, people have been... So I get back... And we'll still talk about what we did on the when we left. But um, when I got back, like almost all all my books that weren't Super Nintendo books were gone, and half my games were gone, like sold. It was insane. It was like they got bombarded. <laughs> like this is like Friday before the convention opens because the convention doesn't technically open until Saturday. Friday it opens up for VIGs, which they pre-order and do a bigger badge thing. And for vendors setting up and guests setting up and things. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, the vendors that set up, though, they're fans, too, so... Yeah. It's it's just, you know, it starts, actually, on Friday, technically. Oh, it goes crazy on Friday, and... Money's money, you know? Well, and, and the other <laughs> aspect is is that a lot of the vendors are basically what what I call um, convention carnies. <laughs> like, 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 not necessarily carnies, but they, they do. They travel from convention to convention. They're always there, like... And they're at every convention that I go to. So when I go to too many games, I'll see a lot of the same dudes that we saw at Midwest Gaming as vendors. Now, the ones that only go to Midwest Gaming are what make it, you know, a classic convention. 
And so it'll be interesting to see, like, who goes to all the conventions again this year. Because um, I'm not going to as many myself either. Because there's, there's a convention every weekend, like, everywhere. So you can literally make a living hopping from convention to convention from city to city. I mean, so backtrack a minute. Um, we went and got our beers. And we went, where do we go to eat at? Was it, um... Red Robin, the yes. burger joint. Yes. Um, and while we're doing that, I text <laughs> Very Mis- Mr. Uh, Mr. Moissant. Charles D. Moissant. And Philo Barnhart. Uh, yeah. They, um... I got Charles in touch with Dan. And, of course, Dan would want to have, you know, animator or uh, artist from Disney and Dragon's Lair and stuff to come. So... Hell Yeah really cool so so he got in and this was literally kyle uh like two days before the convention it's like that charles waited to contact it's classic charles yes last minute master well because i told i told dan about it like months back i'm like yeah and he's like have him get in contact with me so i told charles and i guess he forgot because he was doing his kickstarter and everything oh so he um yeah (laughs) so he ended up reaching out and so charles and Philo are out there so it's like we'll we'll be right over so we're eating our food. We finished our food, and then Charles and Philo show up. Yeah, and the Kickstarter was successful for the boys. Yes, it was. It was excellent. Yeah, the Bachelor's Grove Kickstarter, which was an old, old Phobos militia. Yeah, Philo has pretty steady stream of fans, though. You know, because oh yeah, a huge stream. All the Disney movies. Even the games that he was associated with too, like Dragon's Lair and Space Ace, and oh my god. It's just something about that old artwork. I love it. Yeah, and I mean, basically, them showing up after we got done eating means that we get to drink more, which I was actually, I think, drinking a tea at the time. I think I was still recovering from the rum-soaked, fueled insanity of the night before. So I didn't start drinking yet. It goes forever, so you do have to take a break, or else you're just going to like run yourself ragged. <laughs> like Wayne's World, you're all partied out, man. <laughs> so yeah, like so we... We did that, and then after um, hanging out with them, and Charles showing us some crazy, drunken comic book he's working on, which looked awesome, um, we, <laughs> we ended up getting back to the hotel, which I don't think we ended up leaving the hotel again that weekend. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, we were comfortable. We were good. So that was the last time we left the hotel. That was perfect, though. Yep, that was it. So now we're, we're locked in. Lock the gates. That's actually the sign of a good convention where you you don't need to leave because it has everything you need. Yeah, they had like a bar and some food. It wasn't like crazy prices, you know, it was reasonable. Besides for the breakfast buffet, that was pretty crazy. Oh, yeah, the last day. <laughs> that was yeah. pretty crazy. That was expensive. Then we would have had to have Ubered to the other hotel and that would have cost money. So either way, it cost money. So Friday after the bar, we got back. That's when, you know, like it was crazy because like half my, all my, so I brought some, I had NES books and 91 books left. Those all sold out. Half the games sold out. Um, The games that I brought were um, not any video games per se, but brand new Nintendo games that I made exclusive for the convention. So I had um, 10 copies of Miles Con 2016 Bad Bitch Edition Competition Cart. <laughs> That's what it was called. Which was based on our story from last year's episode where we talked about crazy ass Miles. Miles Con. I made it into a choose your own adventure game on the Nintendo, just like we talked about doing. Yep. 
Yeah. And it was programmed by Damon Yerrick, which he is the, the Yoda of programming for the Nintendo. And then we roomed with, um, well, we, yeah, we offered up a bed space to Memblers since he didn't have a space. He was going to sleep in his, I think, van all weekend. We're like, no, dude, you're going to stay with us, man. Like, that's crazy. And he's Yoda as well. There's many. He's the Yoda of the hardware side. Like, he makes all the hardware. There's many Yodas in our lives. Two Yodas and NAS. No, yeah, man. Memblers rules. Yeah, so so Damon Yerk programmed the um, the game based off of uh, Retro USB, um, which is one of the homebrew producers. Brian Parker actually programmed the original. That's what I was going to write it in because um, he programmed one like many, many years ago, but it was just black screen. So Damon Yerk made it so that way we could hear music and like crazy text and looks nice and little imagery uh like you could have an artwork next to it and it is it is pretty cool um everybody loved it everybody i think everybody that got a cartridge knew about the story which is pretty cool like people that weren't like nintendo agers that just you know collect homebrew it was more like oh no i armed russell miles in 2015 like that was one of the guys that got a cartridge like it was hilarious so um so i sold those and then the other one was commie killer featuring Jeffrey Widnagan. And basically, people get to shoot me in the face as the American flag. I'm brainwashed by the Russians. Buy my book, you cabron pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you, when you kill me, I say that. <laughs> like the critic, Jay Sherman from The Critic. Like, hilarious. And, uh, yeah, I definitely think that um, my number one fan would probably want a copy of that. <laughs> shoot me in the face. Ah, hilarious. I, I did uh, six of those, and basically those, I um, wrote MGC 2017 on them in uh, different colored uh, paint markers with gold and silver alternating. And because I'm a jerk for variant collectors, I did two different cartridge colors for both of those tiny runs. So there's only, when I say there's ten and six, really, for each color, there's five and three. So... Good luck trying to collect all the all the games because I make it ridiculous. Just because. Those are some sharp cards. I'll tell you, sharp cards indeed. Sharp cards. <laughs> sharp cards. <laughs> sharp like throw them like ninja stars. <laughs> People like. <laughs> they look great though, man. I'm like, yeah, that's right. That was perfect, dude. Yeah, it's like classic, and it's just you know streamlining stuff and doing cool stuff for the convention. Like, I am never going to get into creating cartridges, mass distribution, at least for the next 10 years. I'm just sticking with straight books for stuff that I'm producing, but doing something for the convention, like a small thing, is cool to me. And then, so those sold, and then I sold a couple Super Nintendo books, but I had a few of those left. And mind you that half of the books were already sold to Reaction. So they're already gone. So, like, basically, my weekend was good. I was chilling, drinking. Uh, and we were sitting at the, I was sitting at my table, just hanging out um, with the Super Nintendo PlayStation guys, uh, Terry and Dan Diebold, hanging out with them, um, drinking some beers. More people are buying books while I'm doing that. Like, all the VIGs are walking through. And I'm, my table is located with the Overdrive Reality guys, which is right by the bar, conveniently for us. <laughs> Always convenient. Always looking it up. Oh, oh, oh. So we're not anywhere close to the seller tent, though. That's something to put into perspective. Like, there's nobody selling anything 
where I'm at, like, except for a couple guys doing some artwork. Like, there's a guy across from us that did pinball art, and a guy that another guy did some artwork right there. But it was a perfect area. Like, I'm an author. Like, I just have books, so it's it's not like I'm selling like Nintendo games used and all that extra stuff. Like, I just have my stuff. So it was actually perfect because it, you're in a different mindset when you're over in that area, anyways. You actually didn't even make it to the that cellar tent until Sunday. Yeah, me too. Crazy. We had to make ourselves go. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were literally, like, like during the day. So so Friday happened, right? So we were drinking, and we drank and drank and drank and drank and drank. And drank. <laughs> we were over at the Nintendo Age Room quite a few times, and um, Soul Goose Productions, Bo, uh, was over there showing off um, Spookatron, which is like a twin-stick Nintendo homebrew that he has on Kickstarter, which people listening live, it's, I think, still got a day or two. Um, people that are going to listen on the actual podcast, he probably will let people pre-order. Can't speak for that. I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, he was there, and then Orab Games, which is Mega Mario Man on Nintendo Age, had his tailgate party game where you throw beanbags on a Nintendo Power Pad. And it's almost like cornhole, but with scoring. It's a really rad game. Yeah, we were freaking out about that. Just how you can utilize old peripherals. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you knew this, but he actually got a Best in Show award on Sunday. Oh, wow, really? For that game. Yeah, because he posted a picture of a trophy. Oh, shit. I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah, because uh, Dan goes around and awards people like trophies based on their accomplishments and game creation like a guy who creates like i don't know ghostbusters pinball last year gets an award you know what i mean so he got an award that's pretty cool you know most of the time when you find a power pad it's busted in some way so that's the other thing it's tough to get one that actually works and the thing about the beanbags you're not jumping on it with your feet you're throwing like a light beanbag on it so that's the whole like difference about it that's the reason why it probably broke, because all the little kids are, like, doing flips and shit. <laughs> Crazy shit. And it was just plastic, too. I mean, it's just, like, of course it's going to rip and shit. It's like vinyl or whatever. Well, and there's, like, sensors in it. Yeah, so, of course, it's going to get wasted if kids are jumping around. That was something we actually, on Friday night, talked with, um, you know, talked with Mega Mario Man about was that, basically, that's going to be a tough sell for him outside of the homebrew community and Nintendo collecting community because to play his game, you have to have a power pad. So unless he's going to, we're talking about like, maybe you would have to like find somebody to create power pads. That's going to be a tough sell. Yeah. Cause the, the, just to have one that works is like a feat in itself. Well, it's like, if you see somebody like, Oh my God, that looks like an awesome game. Well, I don't have a Nintendo. So now you gotta get a Nintendo and and a controller and the hookups and everything and a CRTV unless you're gonna go new school Nintendo and get a AVS or you know one of those fancy schmancy um, analog NTs something like that for HDMI. Um, so you gotta get that. So then you're already out with the system and now you get the game, but you have to have the power pad and you have to have beanbags and so it's like a it's a pretty comprehensive sell if he's going to try to market it beyond the collector community. Now, us as collectors, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get that game because it's amazing. 
Yeah, that's to me what it's for. Mm-hmm. And I think he's happy about that for sure. But you could tell that he wants as many people to play his game as, as possible, possible, which all creators want. Sure. Yeah. You know, just like with us, we want everybody to listen to PGBS as, as many people as possible. It's just everybody when you when you create something, you want everybody to experience it. The other thing was that uh, you know, you can use the zapper we were talking about in the panel with like like the Russian roulette deal that's going to you know, stuff like that, which is another project. Ah. Yeah, you can use, like, the zapper in a way that you don't have to actually have a, a tube TV. Yeah, because it's all about the click. Yeah, and Russian Roulette, you, like, pass the zapper around mm-hmm. in a circle, and it's actually, like, a good drinking game. Like, so you pull the trigger, you know, you get hit, then you take a drink or whatever. Yeah, we usually take a drink, and you can with the controller as well. Like, if you hit the uh, D-pad on the controller with Super Russian Roulette, it actually spins the chamber. Nice. So, like, you can <laughs> just pull the trigger, or you can spin the chamber, then pull the trigger. So you could test to see. If you think that the bullet's next, you could spin the chamber once just to try to randomize it a little. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yes. Of note, Bo had the Robotron-type game. Spookatron. Yeah. We got to go into more detail on... Okay. Yeah, let's talk about that one. Hell yeah. The TV. So he found this TV that was like red. It looks like a red helmet. It's either from the 70s or the 80s or something. It looks like a Lego space helmet. It's red, a big dome, and it's got a visor in the front of it. And you can put the visor up and down. And the thing is, the visor is actually red tinted. And I think the it was just, it's just a TV with the cover on it. I think it was just meant to be like fashionable, you know. Kind of like a little futuristic, super modern-esque. So you pull it down and it turns into like Virtual Boy. So the game is like white. So when you put that red visor down, it makes everything look like you're playing on a Virtual Boy. So so I asked him about that. I'm like, so did you do that purposely? That's awesome. And he's like, I think it was just a happy con- con- like coincidence. Like, I really think it was. That's what he kind of said. It was hilarious. But it was literally perfect. It was he found it at a Goodwill for like $30. And- well, because I think he found it just like a couple weeks ago at a Goodwill. And he's been programming this. He's been programming the game for two years. Yeah, he did. He, on his way here, practically. Like, isn't that weird? It like put everything together. It's so crazy. It works perfectly, though. Like, if if you literally put... when When people see this game, if you literally put a red screen over it or a red piece of plastic like a vetrix overlay or anything over the screen it works like a virtual boy game and the thing to put things into perspective is his game can be played with a modified virtual boy controller that's what's mind-blowing is that like the way he had it set up with the red tv and everything was cool but when you have it with a virtual boy controller too it's like you're literally playing a full consoleized virtual boy so if he never would have stopped at that Goodwill, Salvation Army, sorry, he said it was Salvation Army, then he it never would have like been complete. Now it's like totally complete. So yeah, I'm pretty sure if you, he said if you search online, like red space helmet TV vintage, yeah, you should, it's probably like 50 or 60 bucks. But it's badass and cool. It's super awesome. It's rad. It would be something that I would definitely pick up if I found it cheap enough, for sure. And I, now, thinking about that, even right now, I got to think about it earlier, 
I want to know what other games you can put that visor down for on the NES that make it look like a Virtual Boy game. Yeah, see, Knuckles crazy. Yes. How many? Because, like, if his just happened to work like that, like, what other games work like that perfectly? Like, you don't know, because if the graphics are too dark, it would darken it out and it wouldn't be playable. Yeah, it has to be the right way, the right palette. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. It's awesome. And and of of the other games that were in there um, in the Nintendo Age Room, because they always have homebrews, you had um, Kev Bratz, home, homebrew highlights, which I think he had Kevin Power, which are running over people, and then the Cornballer, um, which is an inside joke on Nintendo Age. Um, both of them are kind of like mini-game-ish, um, but Kevin Power is kind of like a high-score run arcade style, which is cool. I like that game a lot. London likes to run over people in it, too. I've been in my red tent with the Too Many Games variant. In my red tent. So, that was there. And then uh, Frank Westfall, he had um, Armed for Battle again. He's had that. He brings that every year and has it available and for sale for people. Super nice guy. Oh, yeah. We we roomed, we roomed with him last year. <laughs> yeah, man. You gotta love Frank. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff, though. Yeah, and then I think there was other TVs where they had, like, power packs hooked up so people could play Nintendo. Um, they had the scoreboard going with the AVS, which somebody was insane enough to bring their limited edition AVS, which is almost six hundred dollar system. Oh wow! They brought they brought that with. Um, they had it hooked up though to a computer with the scoreboard, so people could literally set records and have them you know saved. Someone was trying to save on there when I was watching them, and they couldn't get it to go for some reason. It was weird. <laughs> it's it's literally not extremely user friendly, which is which is hilarious. Yeah, like wouldn't work. Yeah, so so it's it's cool in theory. In theory, you literally can plug in your AVS, which is powered with USB. You can use that USB power to a computer. And it connects to Nintendo Age with your Nintendo Age account, and it saves your scores when you do a key combination after you die or beat the game. And it'll save that to Nintendo Age, and you can compete with people around the world. And I know we've talked about like people doing scores before on the podcast, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it's apparently not real easy to use. I I've still not tried to submit it. I've not tried to submit any scores because. My TV is not near a computer, so, like, where I have it hooked up. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, it was, it was still cool that they were offering that, so they... But uh, this year, the Nintendo Age room was in a tiny room. Like, smaller than our room that we stayed in, in, in the uh, Terror of Room 150. <laughs> like, that would have been a bigger room. Then the Nintendo Age room is crazy. So now the night comes, so we go to the room 150. <laughs> <laughs> I think even before the sleep time, though... I had some sellers, some vendors, resellers, store owners, whatever they are. Uh-huh. Uh, one guy had a Nintendo World Championships cartridge in his like in his jacket pocket. He pulls it out. He's like, "Look what I got!" Yeah, I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> We're all like, "Why do you have that on you?" Like, I literally could kick your ass right now and just take that. <laughs> I could just leave. That's yeah. thousands of dollars. <laughs> like, power bomb on the I can concrete. literally like power bomb you and just let you lay there and just walk <laughs> out of the convention. Nobody's gonna know because half those people didn't know who I was. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean, though. Like, you don't pull out a multi-thousand-dollar cartridge showing up. That's without a case or anything. Like, yeah, he didn't have a case on it. That's what was crazy. Isn't that nutty? That's just ignorant. Like most of us are collectors. We're not gonna mess with the dude. In all reality. However, he he didn't have it any kind of he didn't even have a sleeve for it, like dust sleeve. 
That's fucking weird. Like, you'd think you'd at least protect the label, which is the most important part of that. What's wrong with people? What's wrong with these guys? What's wrong with these guys? <laughs> so, there was another guy there, um, some Chicago store owner, and he, he goes over to me, and this was after you were uh, off adventuring somewhere, and he goes, I guarantee you, and he's pointing to me, that you're going to sell your entire collection. Guarantee you. Another naysayer, you naysayers. I'm like... I'm like, do you even know I yeah, why would I do that? Why would I sell why would I do? entire collection? <laughs> That's why you're awesome, though. Like, no, 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 no. We're going to talk about this. I VGBS'd him. I, I, I did it analytically. He's not wrong. We already had You already had an episode behind you of we talked about it, so you could talk to him for an hour. Like, Oh, already? This guy's not even a listener. So it was like, I'm yes. sitting here like, okay. Destroy. Riddle me this, Riddle then, Batman. Let me know. <laughs> Let me know why. So, so basically, he said that. Well, to make a better life for your family, wouldn't you get rid of all your stuff? And I'm like, like I won't need to. I know I work for a living. Like, like we all work for a living. Like, what are you talking about? Like, so what if you lose your job? I'm like, well, you know, obviously, don't know me. I can't lose my job. Uh, <laughs> but, um. But, you know, I'm not talking about the books, like the my actual full-time job. Like, I ain't losing that. But, and I said, like, now I have pared down my collection to make it leaner. And, you know, I've talked about that over the years. Like, I've gotten rid of some of the stuff that just sits in the garage. But my, like, Zelda, he said I would get rid of, like, my Zelda collection and my Nintendo shine. Like, like all the cool stuff that I have displayed, I would get rid of all of that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, um... No, why would I get rid of that's insanity? Like, like there's no reason to do it. Like for for no reason. Like sure, and, and this is what I said. Sure, in an emergency situation, something crazy happened that's unforeseen. I could see pretty much anybody having to liquidate out. But in my own, if my own personal situation continues as it has, there's no reason to. Like. Like it doesn't matter how many times I move around. Like it's I'm not getting rid of the stuff unless absolutely hell or high water. As like when people do that, you will, Kyle. Certainty world, yeah. like Jesus Christ, tell me what I'm gonna do. I would have liked to you for you have to been there and then just like tell them about your retros and be like, nope, not selling mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I spent the whole lifetime creating it. Now I'm just gonna like you know throw it out the window. Yeah. But the thing is, though, is that he, you could tell, obviously, he is a seller, not a collector. Like, whether all the sellers, all the store owners, they collect. But Million Dollar Man Teddy Biasi gets them a lot quicker than they'll get somebody like us. Because at first, even the Nintendo World Championships guy, he was like, oh, yeah, I've been looking for this forever. And then at the end, somebody's like, well, are you going to sell it? And he had to think about it. And I'm like... How long have you been trying to get that game? Like, and now you're just going to sell it immediately? Like, you're already talking about it? You haven't had the game for more than two hours? Like, <laughs> whoa. Like, it's, they got a seller's mentality. They're selling at the convention. They're, yeah. oh, if I get a few thousand dollars, well, I mean, a few thousand dollars, you blow through that in a weekend at the freaking casino. If you're dumb. I mean, most of the stuff that I get is, like, stuff that I've wanted my whole life. Yeah. You know, like, I've wanted not this prime, like, ever since I saw it as a kid on the shelf. So, like, that's the whole point of working to me is, like, fulfilling, like, kind of the little voids that I never had. Like, why not, you know? 
So that those are my goals. Yeah. It's like when I choose when I choose to go out to eat. No, you know what? I'll stay home tonight, and I, I'm not going to go out to eat, and I'll save my money to buy something that's permanent, not something that goes, you know, up in a flash. So yeah, it's like that's my trip. All right, like yeah, everyone has their own trip, and you can't like say Jeff has his own trip, and I, I'm not like in Jeff's trip. So for me to say like what Jeff's trip is is. That's trip blasphemy. <laughs> all about trip, <laughs> tripping and falling, and you can't get up. <laughs> yeah, we're all in our own little like justified world. Well, it's just like funny because like he's doing that as everybody will will do, and it's like everyone. It's like, yes. No, what are you smoking, dude? Like, like he's smoking some whack shit. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was just funny though because he was saying that, and I'm like, I wouldn't even say that. There's probably a lot of people that would up and get rid of their stuff if the situation presented themselves because it doesn't matter. Like, they're just doing it for fun or however they're doing it. But, I mean, you're talking, like, especially in, like, our situation, like, we create content, too, on it. So, like, everything has a story. So, if we pick up a um, movie foot soldier from Turtles at a flea market and we make it dance on a camera, which we did, I'm not going to sell that thing because it has a story behind it. Like, or I'll give it to you to put it in the retro Zam. Like, it's not, it's not going anywhere because it has a story behind it. Not necessarily that it's even monetarily worth more than a buck. Like, it's <laughs> still not going anywhere. Grass sale fun. Same thing with most of the games. And then... When it, when you consider that like the first goal of even me writing was is like the the main book that took off was the Nintendo one, and the other book was finding hidden gaming gems, which was even my first book. Like I'm not gonna get rid of those games that you know inspired me to create content, and it's the same thing for VGBS. We're not gonna get rid of those games that. You know, inspired us to do episodes about them or you know wanted us to bullshit about the games like we're not gonna not gonna get rid of those stories and then later on regret it you know well and he has no clue like how much money you have in the bank or it's just funny no he has no idea that you know like that we both been working you know full-time jobs for many years and our situation like it's funny, like, even, like, when my grandpa died, he had boxes of, like, old classic car models, like, model cars that are, like, brand new, still in the styrofoam. I just got boxes of them in my crawl space, like, so, but who's to say I can just sell those if I get in trouble? So why do I have to sell, like, my, my games, you know? Like, Shows you that even your grandpa was a collector. Yeah, that's cool, That's too. crazy. It's It's, like, he has no clue, like... I already have, like, a backup plan anyway. If you had to, which you never will. But yeah, he definitely had the OCD gene going, man. He kept them all in the little cases and shit. Did he? Yeah, they're all in the styrofoam, all in the box, like, perfectly. You know, like Chris Cardillo was saying when he was done with the Transformer, he, he put it back in the box and the case, and if there was styrofoam, he put it back in that, you know. Yeah, so he was, your grandpa was just o- OCD master. I guess that's where it comes from. I wasn't as bad as that until later on. <laughs> later well, on, maybe maybe he wasn't either. Yeah, he <laughs> became like a. He beca- we became like him. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So then after that, everybody started to, and it was getting around. It was about five a.m. at that point. Um, I didn't realize I had to be up and 
out by 9, 9 a.m. for me to get out at the table when everything opened. Um, in all reality, did I have to? No, <laughs> I didn't have to. But but the thing is, is I'm always punctual. I'm always, like, if, and, and for me, like, if Dan, the guy who runs Midwest Gaming Classic, you know, he's having me come out, I'm going to be there the entire main day doing the thing. Um, hanging out, talking with fans. Um, there was a lot of people that listened to VGBS this year. It's great to hear. So I think what we need to do is come up with some kind of question that we ask them, and we'll record it with my phone, and I'll be like, hey, uh, what is your favorite VGBS memory? Or something like that. And so we need to come up with that, so that when we meet people out in the wild that recognize our voices or go, hey, you're VGBS, like, and then we'll just ask them, and we'll use it as, like, a spot or something. Yeah, little snippet treats are awesome. Yeah, because on Saturday we got uh, Master Daniel Piscina to do a, because uh, I was doing shots with him. and then, yes. like, and he, Master. And he, and got he, he was the drunken master like all night Friday. They're like the Mortal Kombat guy is sleeping or drinking on the bar. Like he was drinking with uh, Shang Tsung. Like Scorpion and Shang Tsung are over there having beers and <laughs> Ninja Lord. Yes. So basically, though, I like to make sure that I'm out there, and we saw lots of people that recognized us. Um, by Saturday throughout the day, I was sold out of books, which is awesome. But before that, though. The room, one fifty. Oh, the terror! The terror! The terror! So we're trying to sleep, and every fucking minute or two, we hear the elevator go. Well, at first you thought that it was like something outside kicking on and off, like a generator, <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, we're right next to the elevator," so. Not only is it every time people are going up and down. <laughs> so, so not only is it people going up and down like all night, but it's a convention where the place is completely booked and people are constantly going up and down the elevators all fucking night. <laughs> Oh my! Oh, and there was one point where we heard like some tap dancing or someone like chopping up coke above us, like. (laughs) 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 On the tile floor in the bathroom, it's probably some kid like tap dancing or some girl or something. The the irony is, is that um, (laughs) because uh, because you you snore like a foghorn, calling you the Snorlax. I already had firing headphones. Where, like, you literally can't hear anything, like, at all, because it's meant for when you're shooting guns. That won't help you. <laughs> and it, it didn't, it barely helped me with Kyle, so. <laughs> like, Nothing I feel bad because you, you were sleeping right with, you were sleeping in the same bed as Membler. He had, like, <laughs> vibrated. Me- Poor Membler's head was probably, like, You got throbbing. wasted, man. <laughs> no wonder why I slept in because you had to wake up and get out of the room so you could sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little memblers. Amazing. <laughs> Bathroom didn't even have a, a garbage in it or a fan. Like, what? 
the craziest thing is we had no no bad no garbage no fan um and the thing is is like you can literally fall asleep on a dime like like you're the first night when you're really tired like like kyle's sitting on the bed and all of a sudden it's like oh i was gone dude <laughs> like ridiculous like, java's like born seconds. yes of, of course, um, Saturday night I got my revenge, so it's it's all good. So I'm tired. Oh yeah, Montezuma <laughs> came down the line. Know, we didn't know until Sunday morning, but there's feather pillows, and I'm allergic to feathers, so I I couldn't breathe apparently. So oh. Snorlax's revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday, um, I'm out there in the morning, um, so Overdrive Reality's there uh, with me, first thing in the morning, they were there, and it went well, they finally did, I think it was around 10-ish, they did their first live spot, because they were doing like little, they were supposed to do like live streams like every hour or something, um, so they did their first live strip spot, and most people aren't going to know who Overdrive Reality are, uh, they have a very, very small subscriber count. They've been around for a couple years, though. But their setup and production is like $20,000. Like, it's ridiculously professional. They they look like they're, like, freaking ESPN. Yeah, super good. 
So anyways, like the first two guys get out there and they're just like chatting with no energy. Like, they're just talking. <laughs> like like very, very monotone, just like being quiet. So then they're like, well, the next spot I'm going on with Matt, which Matt is the guy, basically the guy who's in charge of Overdrive Reality, even though I don't think they have somebody quote unquote in charge. He's the guy who runs the show. Um, he's a Monster Jam announcer, though. So you get my energy with his energy, and we were just going back and forth, making jokes, going crazy. It was hilarious. And and they were like, man, we should have done it like that. And I look at him, I go, no shit. <laughs> like, you, you, you think you want to be entertaining on a live stream? Like, <laughs> like me and you were just ourselves, but like... You got to entertain your listeners. You got to at least talk like you want to be at the convention like i guess we're we're just crazy we're so. just insane <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you just gotta go crazy sometimes so all this time though this whole time i'm doing all these crazy spots and all this kyle's still sleeping <laughs> <laughs> listening to the symphony of the elevator <laughs> cuddling next to members every minute <laughs> it was the Non-stop. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> in, the, in the morning, but we didn't complain because it was a free room, and it's like you know what? And the, and that's the thing. It's just it's hilarious. Our dads taught us, you know, don't be a complaining bitch, boy. Well, we know? we probably could have asked for another room or something. But no, but you know? it was a free room. Like it was, we were guests of the convention. Like could have like, been so much worse. I'm like, good. Like yeah, yeah, dude. It didn't matter, but I also had that fire in headphones to provide me from Kyle Lax, the Sonora Master. <laughs> there it is! That's the Kyle sound. <laughs> Sounds like you're uh, gar- like drowning underwater or something. <laughs> Jeez, evil. It's so loud that it like actually like is killing the internet. <laughs> Just collapses. Skynet. Skynet's demise. <laughs> they actually like killed your internet doing that. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then Saturday was the panel. Yeah, so we did our panel. I think ours was the first panel. Right before that, I got to uh, meet Tim for the first time, which Tim Lapatino, which he uh, is the author of the Art of Atari book, which is the number one selling art book on Amazon, which is crazy. Um, I've been chatting with Damn. him and he's actually getting me in line with his people. So oh, yeah. Hagen's That's Alley cool. Books may, may get a nice upgrade, even though I'm still going to be self-publishing and doing it myself. Um, it's just, we're going to be able to do things a lot better quality, a lot, go a lot further with everything, distribution and everything, which is awesome. But yeah, I saw Tim. Uh, the thing I didn't know till later was I was like, man, you just got bombarded. They announced that um, on a schedule somewhere that he's going to do book signings at noon. I didn't know that. I just thought he showed up and people like surrounded him like a superstar. I was like, that's fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> that works. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they posted that he was going to be there at noon and then after his panel uh, to do book signings, so... He um, sold out of books real quick, too, which was awesome because his book is great. Like, it looks amazing, all the Atari artwork and everything. Like, that's mm-hmm. classic It's pretty. Stuff. It's pretty. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing book. Um, sure is pretty. Yeah, and so then, like, after that, then it was time for the boys to do our panel. 
Oh yeah. yeah. Which is amazing. Like vibe place was filled with such an amazing and vibe. I, I'm man. assuming because we recorded it and, and we started recording before the panel. We were talking about how it's like a WWF, like this is how the wrestlers have to feel right before they go through the curtain. <laughs> yeah, actually I actually start with that. I I use a few little clips at the very beginning, little snippets nice. and like little transitions and shit. It's really cool. So dude. we'll try not to reach out what we talked about on the on there. Yeah. So basically, uh, the guys from Overdrive, like, they got Kyle's USB drive, but they were afraid to play video game music because they might get in trouble, which is crazy, because they were playing, like, copyrighted music all weekend, like, pop songs and shit. Yeah, that didn't make sense to me. Which made no sense for a retro gaming convention. If anything, you're going to play older stuff that would have played in a retro arcade if I was going to DJ. Like, I'd play, like, classic 70s and 80s rock and stuff like that. Well, and he also is like, oh, I copied all this onto my onto my hard drive, though. Let me see how many would I have. Let's see. There's, like, 95 files. <laughs> like, 95 individual soundtracks. <laughs> oh, you have. Yeah, so that's what he copied on his hard drive. Yeah, so so he didn't even like use it though, like at like a little bit because we wanted the kid chameleon song to play, and so he didn't do that for us. So we just went over and just did our panel. We were, we ended up being the first panel, even though we were technically supposed to be the third. Um, the first one was TBD. I don't think any they didn't have anybody lined up. But the second one, the guy's flight was canceled, and he ended up like doing a Skype call. So he still did it. And I think he's does he did the vocals for one of the Sonic the Hedgehog soundtracks or something. He was like singing on a Skype, and you couldn't really hear him. It was interesting. Yeah, and it's and I just want to clear make clear like yeah. I don't care that I don't care that he took the soundtracks, but it's just funny that he took the soundtracks but couldn't play one for us. <laughs> oh yeah, and that's the thing. Like that's weird, right? It doesn't make yeah. sense. There was a lot of weird stuff with Overdrive Reality. There was some weird voodoo shit going on, man. And we'll we'll um we'll 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 talk a little smack because that's what we do. I mean, we, our first episode was uh, talking a little smack, but we'll analytically do it. We'll analytically do it. We'll do it at the end. Roll up, okay. maybe or maybe when we talk about Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> Shotgun Saturday night. <laughs> Shotgun Saturday night. That's right. Right yeah. So um. <laughs> so yeah, we did we did our panel. Um, the guy who ran the panel said that somewhere in the middle, you know, technical craziness, they lost our audio. <laughs> like it they didn't lose it all. They just in the middle somehow it dropped out when they were recording. So I did get him um our audio later. Um, when I got home, our sounds great. Um, so he was happy, and he said, "Like he's like, dude, you guys like had the best panel of the of the weekend. It was like inspirational." He and, said that really? Yeah, he told me that when I was talking. He's like, "Hopefully, you guys can come back out next year." I'm like, "Why? Well, I hope you guys will have us." Of course, we're here every year. <laughs> yeah, our home. <laughs> I said it's our hometown. That's our home convention. Like I'm yeah. we're from the Midwest. Like that place is fun. And the thing is, is that like. Like, going to all the conventions last year, and I was like, yeah, Midwest Gaming's in my top three, because, you know, you have too many games in Portland, but, like, going, every time I go to Midwest, it's like, I come out of there, it's like, man, I was, like, the best convention of all time. Every time. It's amazing. Yeah, like, when I turned to you Sunday morning, I was like, man, we're, like, inspirational at some point, so, like, an inspiring podcast. It's craziness, yeah. Because it's like, follow your dreams, like, you'll get your chance, you know. Yeah, as we were talking about the homebrew stuff. Come up with new ideas. There's so much out there that's uncharted. And... The the crazy thing was is that after our our panel was packed, 
Like we it was had crazy, dude. Everywhere. And I like we had people it. asking us questions. One um one person asked me if I could sign like one of their game the one of the games that they bought for me like before. Like she's like, Will you please sign this? I'm like, Of course. With the miles kind. Yeah, it was craziness. And then so then we left and after us was Gary Stern, who did Stern Pinball, and we had more people than Gary Stern. That's mind blowing. You think it's just because we're in the beginning, or I don't know. We just got lucky, maybe. But it's got to be like I'll err on the side of humbleness, but it'd be cool if it'd be cool if all those people were there to watch us. <laughs> I hope so, man. Maybe one day. There's a million pinheads, though. Because I, I think later on, Retronauts, which they're a really big podcast, were there, and they had a packed room, too. Um, they were going into the minutia of Splatterhouse. Super, super, like, deep. That's It's cool that they have their thing, you know? That's what they do. That's their MO. What was crazy is when, I, when I've listened to their podcast, because they're on my rotation, um, but I only listen when it's something that I really want to listen to because they do get into the minutia. I foresee them as having a ton of notes and research and stuff, but they were doing it all off cuff at the, at the panel, and they were just as deep. So I'm like, these guys know their shit. So that's awesome. That's amazing. They were just, yeah, they didn't have any notes at all. It was great. They're they're pros all the way. Well, because one of their guys is the guy who does Game Spite or um, Game Boy World, Nintendo World. Like he has books too. So that guy is like that's amazing, but he he gets deep into the minutia too on his books. So and then basically throughout the day, I think we were just like basically randomly drinking and partying because we started drinking during our podcast at one o'clock, and then and it didn't stop, it never <laughs> stopped from there, yeah. and never stopped. Never stop. And the the crazy thing is, is like when I'm doing a table, which, you know, this was like a, I wasn't in a cellar area, but I had a table. Like I'm interacting with people that are fans or have read my books or want to know more about them. So I'm like in the zone. So basically until I sold out of books, which was in the evening, um, I was in this like off in my own world. Time flies when I'm doing that. Like it's awesome. It's fun. It goes really fast, and they had the, yeah. the food right there. So um, I got pizza, um, some cheese curds, memoirs, got some mozzarella sticks, and it's crazy, dude. So, so what did, like, after the panel, like, what did you end up doing? Because I know you disappear and, like, go do stuff, and I would be at the table. So what did you do? Went outside and ate all that food, and then, yeah, I was just walking down to the uh, Nintendo Age room, and then I was just walking around. Just the whole convention, just checking out shit. It's just, I, I walk so much, though. I haven't been that sore in a few years, actually. Yeah, it's, we figured out this year at MGC that we're a couple of old fuddy-duddies because we were both, like, at the end of Saturday night, we're like, our feet. Because um, after the food, we had one goal. And what was our one goal for the convention, Kyle? To play all the arcade games that were there. We wanted to play every single arcade game on the floor. And it's a still a standing goal. We definitely didn't accomplish that goal. We failed miserably at our goal. Now, we probably played for a good five hours straight or longer. That's why we were destroyed at the end of the night. We, we really took it to the, to the moon. 
so so the game room, like they had a console game room too, which we didn't even go to for this. Um, they had consoles all <laughs> in the hallway and everything. We went to the arcade area, yeah. and when you get to the arcade area, we were there in the after party time. So this was probably like nine p.m. This was later. Um, we went to the arcade area, and in the hallway before you get into the big hall, there's arcade games. So we just started right there. I think the first game was what Wild Gunman. Yep, that was it. Yes, yeah. it was. Wild Gunman, a Play Choice 10 version. Um, we were taking turns, and we basically each took a life or a credit, depending on how long the game was. That's what we each took on every game. So we both played a little bit of Wild Gunman, and Wild Gunman's cool. Um, the gun is pretty accurate for on the Play Choice 10. It's it's really cool. It was nice. Yeah, once you got a hang of it, you could you mm-hmm. could hit it real nice. It has a weight to it. The gun has a weight to it, which I love. I love the arcade gun games like Operation Wolf. Looks like an actual revolver too. The one on Play Choice. It's nice. Um, yeah. Awesome. The next game, which oh, was hilarious, yes. was Atari Football. Yeah, and this dude walks by, right? And he's, he's, While we're playing, he's like, you know, if your hand doesn't hurt after you play that, you're not playing right. <laughs> and and this is a cocktail, which means that you could stand over it and you look down at the screen. And we're playing versus each other with the screen, and you run with a trackball, <laughs> like a giant trackball, too, not a little one. The loudest trackball on earth. And so, like, I don't know, like, I think I was on offense first. And like the third play, I had a break, and I was could run the touchdown. I'm like hitting him like <laughs> like Christian as hard as I can. I'm hitting fucking muscle failure, and I got all the way up there. And I got a touchdown. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm like I'm done. A huge exercise. It's like a shot put ball. And then we're like, wow, that guy must really know his Atari football, right? Like, man, that guy's hardcore, dude. It was just so loud because I was pushing like so fast to do the touchdown and it's like it's the classic trackball where it doesn't keep moving it slows down really fast so you had to keep pushing hard it was amazing though like he's so right it was hilarious though. he's so right about it <laughs> he wasn't joking no not at all the game is awesome though it's a, it's a fun game i wouldn't own it but it was perfect for that story right there <laughs> yeah it's just one of those things like that's hilarious the guy just walks by yeah, and I think like you played a little offense, and then we moved on. What was the next game though? Was I know there was a couple of pinball machines, little Star Wars Episode One that was right there. Ladybug was like the fourth game, but I can't remember the third game. So Ladybug was amazing. Yeah, Ladybug's awesome. Just talk about the ones we recall, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and Ladybug was classic because the year prior, I got a Ladybug um piece of art that goes on the side of a cabinet a little circle ladybug and it's like a retro 80s looking painting it's amazing i still have it it's it's unpeeled new old stock um so we're playing this and it's like pac-man but you can move a couple walls that rotate so you can like block the enemies from being able to get you so you can manipulate it forever Defense, defense. Yeah, <laughs> and we were playing the shit out of it. It was really cool. We played that one for a while. Oh, dude, it's it's a beautiful game. If if that was the only game I had when if you know if I was a kid or something, man, that's cool because that game's great. That game is actually now crept onto the when I have a final house or we have a final house. I want that instead of like Pac Man. I want that game. Oh yeah, it's way more versatile. 
Exactly, because when everybody has a Pac-Man or everybody has a Donkey Kong. Yeah, I know it's so like run of the mill. I want some obscure badass games that we have a good story about, which now we do, um, and that we can sit there and literally, because I could see myself playing the shot of that master in that game, which I'm going to have to with coin ops. Old school masterpiece. The third game or the fifth game, I can't remember. It was this little like. A helicopter game where you had to rescue guys. What was that one called? Fuck. It it wasn't Choplifter, but it reminded me of Choplifter. I never played uh, that that game before, and it had a weird name. But I've heard of it, but I've never played it before. But it wasn't super memorable, and, and Choplifter's better. But it was still cool. I just remember all the the guys would fall down all the time. Remind me of Chopper Command. The guys jump onto your ladder and they climb up. Yeah, and the goal was to save them. That game was cool, though. There there was the Vice City Pinball mod. The guy's modding it. He's so far, he took this classic pinball, and you could see the original pinball on the board, the playfield still, but some of the stickers were replaced with Vice City stuff now. And he's still working on it, is what I was told. So he's still going to he's gonna completely mod it eventually, which is awesome. It looks great. And it's, it's a classic pin, too. It's not like yeah. newer ones where you see all the digital stuff. Like This is an old-school pinball, which is cool. It was really fun, too. From what I played, I was like, this is excellent. Um, next to that one was Rampart. That game's uh, interesting. I mean, it's a really cool strategy game. Uh, it's just... One that I've never really spent too much time with personally, but I mean, well, yeah, like you basically build up your castle walls and then place your cannons, and you in between rounds you shoot at each other, and then you have to rebuild what gets destroyed, and then place more cannons. And because John being really good at that game, it's like a strategy. I think I played that with John in the Mishawaka house. Yeah, you did. Like he loves that game. And and he's good at the game. Like I, he's the one who taught me how to do it. Like I'm pretty sure. That's his like shit right there. That's his. That is his mo. Like yeah. So then we were playing. What did we? Uh, Stun Runner, right? Yeah, we sat on Stun Runner, which I got a picture of you doing it. Yeah, I've got that in my room now. Yeah, it was it was fun because the whole uh, machine and screen and everything move as you steer. Um, classic polygonal game racer where everything explodes into pieces and when you shoot stuff, it blows up and the shots feel great. Oh, and I've got the picture in my room, not the arcade game in my room, folks. Oh, it'd be amazing if you had the arcade game. Yeah, yeah, I bought the arcade. bought the arcade this weekend. But it was only $600 or best offer. Exactly, for like a few hundred bucks, you could have had it. Yeah, you can get on that thing and move all around and it was really good condition. It's like F-Zero 3D style. It's really yeah. cool. We had some good fun on it. You can play it for a while, though. It doesn't, like, boot you off real quick, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, we were literally playing it for a long time. You almost gotta walk away from it. Like It's like, damn, we gotta play some other game shit. <laughs> it was cool, dude. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, and so was that the last thing that was in the hall? There was uh, the tabletop one where there was, like, a core. Remember that thing? I was like, we're like, this hurts our back. We were standing up trying to play it. Hmm, I do remember getting our back hurt from something. What was that? It's like a spaceship thing, and you have to, like, knock the stuff in the middle. Oh, yeah, and there was, like, multiple, like, little phases. You had to go into the middle, and then... Yeah, I was whacked out. That was a crazy game, yeah. I, I think that that game would have been fun in, if we weren't leaning over, if we had a chair to sit in. Yeah, so that was the only thing with that. And I think then the other few games there were, like, turned off. 
Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that was like malfunctioning. <laughs> yeah. So then we got into the main room, right? Yeah, pinball world. And then we had the the new pinballs that were right there, which they had uh, Wizard of Oz, which is the first one we played. Really impressive Wizard of Oz stuff. Pinballs, fucking insane. Yeah, amazingly cool. And then we played that other game that was a non-themed one. It was like City something. You play the pinball, but you can. What you're doing is displayed on the screen in like computer graphics. It was amazing. And you're like running through the city, and it shows you going down the street digitally when you're actually going down it on the board and yeah. it's just nuts it's that's the newest jersey jack genius. pinball and that thing was rad like they just do awesome work yeah man i was like wow so it's just everything's set on free play and you just go crazy yeah and then i think we went to the final game that we played a lot of which i know the name of it now it's sky cursor <laughs> <laughs> Glitching out Sky Cursor. Sky Cursor. Yeah, it's the first time we played it, it like reset on us. <laughs> um, but yeah, we played it, uh, beat all the little bosses, because it was basically like a four or five boss level demo. It wasn't the full game. It's like a shmup, a nice gory um, looking. Oh, shooting eyeballs and bloody messes and skulls. Yeah. I, it's definitely one if it's Jam I'm going to have to get a copy. Like, for my arcade. And I was like a mech, like a robot, a Gundam type mech with a sword. And then Jeff was like a ship, like a, you know, Starscream transformed or something. Vic Viper style or something. Classic spaceship. Yeah. And there's like two weapons. There's your normal burst, and then you you can flip your weapon over, which changes how your ship or character looks. And it's like a shotgun blast. And then anything close you could use with a uh, sword... And then also any bolts that come at you, you can deflect them back at them, which was awesome. So you could literally, like, if you were going to get hit with a bullet, you use the sword and deflect them. So you could almost, like, never get hit. Between the two, one player and two player, everything is, like, perfect. My attacks kind of, like, blend with your attacks and vice versa. Yeah. It's like a perfect dichotomy, and when together, it's like a whole... Absolutely. And the fact that we played through basically the entire game that was available, which was awesome... And then um, the last thing we went over to was uh, Memblers actually brought his Play Choice 10 arcade and put NES homebrew games in it. So, so we had, um, we played MGC 2011, which was a game that was released in 2011 at MGC. He put a Play Choice 10 version of it, and we played a game called The Wait, which was programmed by Damien Yurk, who did my Choose Your Own Adventure. But it was a clone of Tetris, and he was always worried about people playing that. So Mumblers wanted to take videos and pictures and then send it to him to freak him out. <laughs> like, it's hilarious. Oh, it's awesome. Because I know he was watching us while we were messing around on it. Yeah, hell yeah. So, um, but the game is a really good Tetris game. It's better than Tetris. It, there's so many pieces to it. Yeah, it's tough. It's kicking my ass. Well, you were drunk as hell, so. Yeah, it doesn't help. <laughs> That doesn't help, man. <laughs> I was never the best Tetris player in the first place. So that was fun as shit, though, man. Members. Kind of love them. 
I think by that point, our feet were killing us. We needed to find somewhere to sit. I mean, it was like to the point where I was like, okay, we got to go back to the room. I didn't realize how far I'd walked through all those corridors. You don't, you don't realize it, you know? And it was like, we literally started at 9. By the time we finished up, it was 1 or 2. And that we only got that far as we just talked. Like, we were playing each game a while. Like, we were enjoying it. It wasn't like we were just going to say, all right, we play each game, like, for two seconds. Like, no, we were playing each game for a while, a long time. I think somewhere in there we played Frogger, too. I mean, I know that for a fact. And last year, I was hanging out with Miles a lot, and I'll say, it too, this year was a lot different without Miles around. <laughs> you hung out with Miles, and then arcade time, you went with John White. It was a lot different without John White around, too. Those were yeah. two really big personalities that were kind of, like, missing, that made it, like, cr- super crazy. Yeah. John White's just super, like, you know, positive, awesome energy. The Miles is just nuts. <laughs> So speaking of craziness, I asked Dan how everything went um, when I was chatting with him like this week, uh-huh. and he said that somebody was running around with no pants on, getting chased around by security. Really? Wow, I, I wish I would have saw some crazy shit like that. I think he said it was Sunday night. Oh, that would have been so fucking funny to like get on your iPhone or some shit. <laughs> somebody probably did. It's probably on YouTube or something. Oh, that'd be so epic. Yeah, he said that they were being chased around by security. I was like, I was like, he's like, but I can confirm it wasn't Miles. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> Miles is famous or infamous, yes. Yeah, hell yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that was Saturday. Um, we did go over to the Nintendo Wage Room a little bit more, um, chatting with people, hanging out with uh, Lou from Reaction Games. Um, I think that was before the arcade time. Actually, we hung out with Lou because they came over to the thing. I was chatting with a uh, a bunch of different guys. Like over hanging out with Sarumaru over uh, you know from VGBS fame, that's right. Hung out with him, and there was two guys there that were actually pro wrestlers. Yes, that was hilarious. And I think they wrestled for ECWA. Um, one guy doesn't wrestle anymore; the other guy still does. And they were dressed during the convention as like Canadian man, but and the other one was Starman from NES. Yes, Starman, and he came outside, and Memblers was eating uh, a mozzarella stick, and Starman tried eating it, <laughs> but he doesn't have a mouth, so... Couldn't do it. Yeah. They're both TurboGrafx-16 fans, because they were hanging out in the Turbo Room afterward when they were demasked. But the crazy thing is, is while we're in the Nintendo Age Room, uh, you're tra- you're talking with Lou, and just chatting. I think maybe JD was there. No, this was way later. But, um... I'm sitting there chatting with this other, this big bald dude. He's a freaking pro wrestler. But he was, a, he's a pro wrestler in Japan. And he's called the Eater of Babies. <laughs> or something. Wow. And he showed, a, he showed a picture and he's wearing like face paint and everything, like a mask. It's like a Guar song or something. He looks like a literal, like, like, it looks like something that would be a Japanese wrestler, like at a, I don't know where who he wrestles for or anything, but like he he showed the picture. I'm like, holy shit, that's awesome! Like he's a hilarious dude too. They were all everybody at MGC's cool. That's the other thing. Like there's no like nobody there that's a negative Nancy. Like um, I saw um what was it? Grimsy from uh, from YouTube. He was running around for sure. John Cena, yeah. I've heard people say that he's, you know, whatever, like, oh, Grimsy's a jerk or something. Grimsy's cool as shit. He's like, not a jerk. And I've, I've seen him multiple years in a row, 
And even when I was still upcoming with my Nintendo book, not even live, he was always cool as shit. This time we were bullshitting. He's real nice. You come up, ask him a question. He's cool. So Grimsy's cool though. Um, and he did basically had a panel with a bunch of other, you know, guys that are friends that also have channels, just to try to help them out too, which was really cool of him. Very cool. Very cool. So during this whole time, Overdrive Reality was only did a interview with me. In the morning, like I talked about, uh, they interviewed Tim Lapatino, the Art of Atari guy, like sometime for like a little bit, and then they got crazy old Stephen Lucas from the winner of the 1991 Nintendo Campus Challenge on, which he's always fun to talk to. Um, but they made him do a pizza eating contest while <laughs> while they had him on. Cool. They're sponsored by Pizza Hut, so they were just doing a cheap pop type thing. Very nice, very nice. Free pizza rules, turtle style. Yeah, so they got free pizza all weekend from them. But yeah, other than that, none of the other panelists went and interviewed. I was supposed to do an interview with Sven Gulli on Saturday night. Yeah, what happened with that? Got canceled. Like They moved Sven Gulli to extend the time that he was doing signatures, and then he went to a, they do a cosplay costume contest, and he did the microphone. Like Basically, he was doing Sven Gulli quips every time somebody would come through. He would just say like little Sven Gulli style jokes, like little one lighters that, you know, are, are classic style. Yeah. Um, and so that was actually perfect utilization of him, but I didn't get to do an interview with him that's eh, it's okay. I would have gotten us a um Phobos Militia hobby cast spot or something if I if I'd have talked to him. But I did get Master Daniel Piscina to do one while we're taking shots. This was Saturday. Oh yeah. Sometime between between dinner and us starting the game. Sometime in between there, I took shots with Master Pastina. The ninja. He actually bought Tim a, a couple beers because he's a real cool dude. Um, that was interesting. So should we should we jump into Overdrive Reality Crazy Cast part at the end of the... <laughs> <laughs> end of the day. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, so... um. Friday, I sat behind my, my booth and was able to chill and sell books. Saturday, they set up the cameras right up against my table, basically. So I couldn't go behind my table the whole day. So I literally had to stand next to my table the whole day with nowhere to sit. That's fine, because I usually don't like to just sit behind a table anyways. But the one of the guys running the camera kept on bumping into the books and stuff, and he, he knocked over my... I have, like, my stuff displayed in a um a picture frame. He knocked over the picture frame and broke the part that holds it up. I just look at him like, really? Like, what the heck, dude? <laughs> so he's like, oh, no, we're out fix this. So he gets out this duct tape and duct tapes it on there, this crazy tchotchke thing. And I just put it against a water bottle to hold it up the whole day. <laughs> so I'm already like, like really? It's, stuff's already getting broken. Um, So later on, I go back over with Lou just to check things out, and you know we're going to just make sure everything's all right, see how my stuff's going. Um, and there's duct tape that's like up in the area, like where the whole area is. And there's duct tape on my. I have a seven foot tall standee that has custom art that I had done online, so it's pretty expensive little thing. It wasn't super expensive, it was a decent price, but, like, so it was, like, literally screen printed. Um, there's duct tape on it. So, like, the one guy goes and starts to take, one of the Overdrive Reality guys starts to take it off, it pulls off the art. 
<laughs> so I'm like, luckily it was on a black spot, but I was, of course, intoxicated. I look over, I'm like, really? Freaking again, it was the same guy that put the duct tape up that broke my other thing. Oh, fuck. I look over and he's like, oh, dude, it's not a big deal. That's what he said to me. And I'm like, what do you mean it's not a big deal? It's not yours. I was like, that's my artwork. Like, why would it not be a big deal to me? Why would I just blow it? Like, it was just one of those things where, yeah, I'm, I'm likely going to just put marker on it. It'll be fine. But the fact that the people that ruined somebody else's stuff are like, oh, no, it's not a big deal. You're, you're fine. Like, I just wanted to powerbomb them through a table right then and there. <laughs> So I literally just said, no, it's kind of messed up. And then Lou and I go to walk away. And one of the other overdrive guys, the guy who was basically, I guess he was manning the table on Friday, was like, oh, man, F you. Like, I did all this and that, and you never said anything. Like, he was all mad. The thing was is I was, like, thanking him all weekend, Kyle, Uh about, like, the selling of the books and stuff. And he said, I never thanked him. And I'm like, dude, I've been thanking you all weekend. What are you talking about? Like, I still got to buy you a beer. Nah, I wasn't even there. I didn't even see any of that shit. So, so Lou, Lou does, nobody knows that, but Lou's a loose cannon. Like, he was literally keeping the peace, but he was gonna, like, he was in a, he could, like, like, did that. And I don't know, flip of a switch when it went crazy. He was going nuts. He was like, yeah, I want to kick your ass, man. Nuts. I was like, now, nah, man, I wouldn't have done anything because there's no reason to. Like, it was fine. But, like, they were being weird. And that's when I realized that really it's just Matt who runs that whole thing. Because Matt was like, he literally looked at the other guy. The guy was going crazy. and said, oh, man, a funeral. Like, he's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, he looked at me and goes, shut the fuck up. Like, he's, Matt is completely cool. So he's the guy who runs ODR. I think he's just, him and another guy basically are the ones who hold that thing together. And it's the other guys, like, like one of the guys that was on at the beginning that, um, but he's like, they're surrounded. They have a couple dudes with them that, you know, and the DJ that, um, they're just going to take some work to be professional. (laughs) That's me being very nice and impartial. I like the guys, like, in general. They're cool. Um, little, little bit odd, though, that they would, you know, not make it a point to interview every single person that comes through. If we're running VGBS Live, I'm going to get every single person on, if that's the reason why we're out there. Like, if we're out to do a panel, yeah, we're going to do our panel and kill it. But, um... If there, if we're VGBS, if the sole reason for us to be out there is to promote Midwest Gaming Classic and make it a cool live thing, we'd be live the whole freaking weekend, you know what I mean? Yeah, what if they got burned out or something? After that fiasco, like, before we went to bed, I went and grabbed my sign and everything and just put them away. So I'm like, I went out there and, like, all my cards that I had on the table, the table was down, my cards were underneath the table somewhere... So I'm like, nobody could even grab my business cards or anything. So I was like, okay. I just took everything put it in the room. Like, okay, ODR is doing their own thing. Cool. Um, we go out there, though. We wake up late. I think it was like 10, maybe, is when we woke up. Yeah, I'd say 10. Yeah, that's about right. Um, we went out and did our brunch thing. They weren't set up yet. We ate lunch. I think the thing closed at 11. Um, we had our brunch or whatever. They still weren't set up. We went to the vendor area. Like, it was, like, 1130, and they hadn't set up anything. So, like, it's weird because, tip technically, the convention's only Saturday and Sunday. 
So if they're having you come out there to do something, you didn't even set up for half the day on Sunday. That's crazy. Yeah, because Friday doesn't, is really when all the vendors get there. Yeah, and they were set up on Friday, um, doing stuff Friday evening, but Friday is not for the convention. Friday is for the, the gamers and the VIGs. Like, it's a different realm there. It's interesting. But yeah, so then after our brunch time, um, we decided, all right, we need to go into the basement to see everything that's down there. Um, we need to go to the vendor hall and find some stuff. Find you guys behind you guys. Rewind you guys. <laughs> yeah, so I think we went to the basement, but we went down the wrong area. Like, there was just, like, one arcade. So we went there later, which we'll talk about. But oh, yeah. first thing we did was, so then we went to the vendor area. I think the first place that you went to, they had Transformers everywhere. And GoBots and Madness of Kyle. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So we went out to the cellar tent. Um, we had to force ourselves to go out to the cellar tent. There's just, it's like, there's so much to that like pulls you in every direction. It's hard to like go in any like one direction. That's what I noticed. It's like, geez, I can't like, I can't like concentrate on anything like one thing because then something pulls me away and I'm going this way. And geez, it's just nuts. And the thing with MGC, unlike other conventions that I've been to, other conventions, it's like a big area is the entire convention. MGC is is spread out through the entire hotel and fragmented by pieces. So you have your cellar tent that's actually literally outside in a tent, but it's all enclosed and heated. And then you got your Nintendo Age corridor and another corridor with arcade stuff. And then as you go down the other corridor, there's console stuff. And then you have the panel bar area where I had my setup. And then beyond that's the actual arcade. Like, it's all like fragmented pieces so we literally were only in a couple of those fragmented pieces the whole weekend and sunday was really good weather so it was pretty warm it was probably like you know uh 70s maybe i think it was getting close to 80s yeah yeah man it was awesome so there's no rain so yeah went out to the 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 guy uh classic guy always in the one of the first booths yeah the transformer guy he has you know even like power rangers and you know Voltron and you you name it, but you showing us stuff. We were kind of. I almost wish that we had recorded that. Well, yeah, because like literally, we were picking his brain on the Transformers and the GoBots, and he had a lot of knowledge behind it. Yeah, that would have been great to like have him. Maybe next year we can ask him that if he wants to be on the cast. That's one of those things where I need to be more cognizant when we're doing stuff, or maybe we both need to kind of plan it. Yeah. But then it's not organic. Right. But we at least need to go, hey, let's make sure we have the recording on, and we just talk to people and record it, like, just for sound bites. Yeah, that, that'll be for next year. Well, there was, like, a Trans Am, um, like, GoBots-type Transformer deal. Um, but it was, like, from Japan, from, like, the 80s. So he had that that I kind of, like, eyed, and then he had a... A cool Rock Lord thing that I haven't seen before. And those are like Transformer type, you know. Rock Lords are in like the GoBots universe. We'll probably have a Phobos about all that. But yeah, so we kind of passed it up because there was a whole tent for us to explore. It's cool though in the tent how they have like a band in the very back. It was playing like, I don't care, I'm trying to think like um, some Mario World songs and... Just set the tone, too. And it wasn't super loud, even though the day before when I went toward... That's where they had the, co- the cosplay costume thing that we watched with Svenguli. Um, that band was super loud. Like, they were doing metal, and it was like... 
You couldn't even hear anything in the vendor tent. How did that cosplay thing go? I didn't see that. It was just a bunch of people going up in costumes and doing little like skit. It was all right. Like I've seen better ones before, and you know, but okay. It was it was still cool. I mean, it's it's fun for the some people that like to dress up. Okay. So yeah, we were walking around looking at all the different gaming stuff. I know I got an MGC shirt and two marquees, um, Ninja Gaiden and Bubbles marquees. Which I got the Bubbles one because my Neo Geo upright cabinet that I got was originally a Bubbles. So now I have the marquee to go with it, which is cool. Um, and then I found Metal Slug 2 Turbo, a hack of Metal Slug 2. So I've never seen an actual physical copy of like a Neo Geo hack before. So I thought that was pretty cool. That wasn't King of the Fighters. That, so I thought that was pretty cool. That's a great find. Uh, that guy had a bunch of cool little Neo Geo treats. Yeah, I mean, he, he makes Neo Geo games, which is... I've, I got something from him before, and I still haven't figured out what it is. But... um. But I got something from him in the past. And you mentioning something in the past, like someone else mentioned, all the sellers are pretty much year after year. So, yeah, it's kind of like reminds me of the swap meet out here by Chicago. Like, you got your classic sellers and shit. My goal was to get and find something that was an MSX game. Um, I didn't find anything from that, so nobody had anything in my... Famicom, Japanese guy. He didn't have any of my Japanese guides this time around. Fami guys. Yeah, they definitely had this, the MSX with Space Manbo playing. That was funny. Like, yes, you know, classic. Yeah, yeah. Because that was the one that we were talking about. We listened to the soundtrack on the way down. MSX has great music, too. Salamander, Space Manbo, Konami treats, you know. Members and I were checking out the Space Manbo. We also tried, we also messed with Double Dragon 2 and 3 on the EverDrive. I was just showing them, it's like, Double Dragon 3, how if you run and do the jump kick, it's an extra oomph and jumping off the walls. and Just cool shit. So yeah, we were messing around with that for a little bit. It just goes so fucking fast, dude. It's like, goddamn. So then, yeah, after that, we went downstairs to the arcade. Which we found the Galloping Ghost special arcade downstairs. Because they have their own little section. Because they have, like, one of a kind, like Primal Rage 2, Beavis and Butthead, stuff that... They have one, there's one copy basically in the world. I think there might be a second Primal Rage 2 now, but like still the only playable copy. And they had, what was it, Dark Presence, which is the Galloping Ghosts uh, custom made fighting game where they're doing screen captures in Chicago and like Mortal Kombat style, which was cool. Um, and then our buddy Brian Colon was there with, um, Game Refuge and his, I got my Rampage t-shirt from him and I think you got like a General Chaos, um, postcard. Yeah, the little promo, like an original promo card. Hell yeah. And I didn't know this, but that statue was for sale. How much was it? Do you know how much it was? Um, a guy from Nintendo Age, which was um, Everharm, guy was headbutting us all on on Friday because he was drunk. Um, yeah. <laughs> he uh, he posted that he had it, and then somebody said, "Oh, it's up on the Game Refuge website." I guess it's a hundred and fifteen bucks. It's not a lot. I mean, compared to like probably what it's, you could sell it for uh, ten years from now. Yeah, who knows? I mean, but it's made by the guys who created the art, so that's awesome. He also had a laser disc game from the 90s that's like a horror movie style campy b horror that looked amazing that looked better than night trap 
It looked way better than Night Trap, and it was—I mean, it's cheesy as shit, though. Like, not serious, but like, like that's perfect. It's campy now. It's campy and trendy. Like, I literally want to like play play that game like thoroughly. Like, I got to jump on it for like, a couple minutes, but of course, right behind us from Brian Cohen was—I I just point to Kyle. I'm like, hey, look who it is. Oh yeah, it's time. <laughs> time for Master Pacino to pull his ninja magic. Spirit 20s. <laughs> Get over here! Daniel Pacino, which we've already mentioned, he actually played Johnny Cage and Scorpion and all the ninjas in the original Mortal Kombat games. Yeah, because they just did a palette swaps, but they had him do different moves for each guy, though. Like, Yep, and um, the, next to him the, was the actor who did a Shing Soon from Mortal Kombat 2, I want to say. Yeah, it was 2, and then Pacino did Mortal Kombat 1 and 2. Yep. And then there was another guy there that was with them, which you called their marketer, but he really worked on the Mortal Kombat games, like the newer ones. <laughs> he's one of the guys who, who worked on them. Yeah, and he's, he's all part of the whole deal, because Piscina had signatures for 10, and then he had uh, a photo op for 10, and I had a 20, and I was like, oh, can I get a signature, you know? And then he's like, cool, cool, and then the, the guy next to him, the who Jeff was talking about, who's like working on the newer stuff, was like, "Oh, um, you want a photo op?" Pacino's like, "It's included." Kyle's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> then we took the cool photo op and did a bunch of poses, which was awesome. After that, I'm like, "So do you have the ten dollars?" Um, so I gave you a twenty. He's like, "Oh no, the photo op's ten and the autograph's ten. I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, I thought you said it was included," and then it struck me in my head that I gave him a twenty. In his mind, he's probably been getting, you know, people doing signature and photo op all day. And you gave him a 20, you didn't give him a 10, so he's probably like, all right, so this dude wants both. It's included in the 20. And plus, plus, once you give money to Daniel Pacino, you get no change. He's a ninja specter. I mean, that's what they do. They spear 20s. Come here! <laughs> he made that 20 disappear. No, absolutely. That's his art. Ninja magic. The funny thing is, I, I still got what I paid for, so it was like, I was almost trying to be slick, too. Yeah, oh yeah. That's what's funny, too, like, so we were both trying to be slick against each other. It's like hustler versus hustler. Scorpion wins. But the photo op, I think I got five pictures instead of one, so. <laughs> and you got three different poses, so that's like $3.33 a pose, which is great. It's a good good value <laughs> for the poses. Uh, yeah, because the, the other pictures were a little too far zoomed in because you wanted to get the Mortal Kombat cab that's signed behind them. I ended up making a cool frame deal with all the pictures and shit. And Hell it yeah. looks really cool. Um, but yeah, man, uh, gotta gotta give it to him. He knows how to work it. The other one thing I did want to mention with that, it's one of the reasons when I used to go to flea markets, I kind of been slacking lately. I used to bring like singles. I used to get a tons of singles and like maybe some fives because if I would have given him the ten dollars, it would have been a whole different thing but then i never would have had the cool shrine either so now it it's like oh i guess it is worth it <laughs> super nice guy super cool fucking awesome oh yeah for that soundbite i mean can't thank him enough but it was classic because on the drive home we're like you got piscina <laughs> there's a car who was like passing all these other cars they're like that's piscina he's coming to get us with a spear he's coming to get us it's like and the car was like looks like he got speared inside yeah, coming to get the rest of his money. Like, yeah. <laughs> He's coming to get all of it. 
<laughs> so that was great. Amazing. Amazing where your mind goes. It's great. All right? Like nuts. We got Lenyod and we got Piscina. <laughs> All in the same weekend. Gotta love it, man. <laughs> so I think after that, that was actually when I left and bought the Rock Lord and the GoBots Japanese guy. And then we met back downstairs. And then I think we basically from there we um said our goodbyes. That was it. Dude, it went so fast though. This one was like twice as fast as last time. Midwest gaming is like top tier. Like so, if it's a top three convention overall for everyone, for for me and likely for you, it's top convention just because of the atmosphere on top of it and the professionalism of the people running it and like hundred percent top top convention. Can't fault him for any of it, man. It's beautiful. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at vgbspodcast at gmail.com. So we also have a phone number. It is 262264VGBS. You can leave us a voicemail use a text message on um, whatever you want to do correspond also comment on us shoot us a message on facebook twitter google plus we love hearing what people um think about the podcast all right see you later Woo. later